21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. I wouldn't mind going over to Croatia. I, I spent I spent a fair amount of time in, in Europe. I've tried to tried to go to Croatia. The best thing for you is to take some some of your friends and to go sailing. That's the dream. I, I gotta go. Actually, my girlfriend and I have have have, uh, have, have kind of idly talked about learning to sail because I really want to go. Yeah. Like the, yeah, the yeah, Croatia, the Adriatic, like I want to go to the Mediterranean. Yeah, just like all that. Oh my God. Then you can amazing. go to Greece and then. I'm, 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 I'm of Greek descent, not that you can tell because of how pale I am, but it's, uh, it's actually Adamopoulos, you know, it's, it's not Adam. <laughs> Beautiful. They changed the name, yeah. There's a reason why you have so much energy and good vibe, you know. <laughs> Appreciate that. Well, excited to, uh, yeah, excited to, yeah, to get going yeah. on this. Thank you, really thank, you for, thank you and for being being my guest. Yeah. All right, uh, hey, so my name is Sam Adams. Uh, I am the co-founder and CEO of .LA, which is a uh, media platform that is focused on the Los Angeles tech and startup uh, community and ecosystem uh, that launched last year. Um, and yeah, so my, my background is uh, I'm born and raised in, in Los Angeles, uh, in Santa Monica specifically, uh, and was always super interested in the media and journalism and how it's evolving. So I'm 29 right now, and so uh, I was, you know, as I was getting involved in that stuff, it was it was on the backdrop of the entire media business model collapsing. Right, newspapers were shedding journalists and 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 closing in many cases, and. Uh, you know, at the time, they hadn't quite figured out how to monetize uh, how to monetize journalism and news media on the internet. Uh, we're obviously now doing a, a better job of that, but it was it was a very you know scary time. And so to be coming into you know this industry and, and caring about it at the time was very uh, you know I, I think that was very formative. Uh, so. So I was, I, was, I was very interested in that. I did uh, I did my undergraduate work at Harvard, um, where I did some work on the newspaper, but was mainly studying like political and economic theory, and you know a, a number of side projects. Um, I spent some time uh, at Cambridge University doing a fellowship, um, and then coming out of uh, college. Uh, you know, knowing that ultimately I wanted to get into the entrepreneurship and operation side uh, of this industry, not exactly knowing how to do that, um, I actually started as a uh, as a journalist, as a reporter. Um, I was first at Bloomberg and then I was at Reuters, um, kind of covering a number of different beats from you know telecom to oil to uh, you know yeah uh, uh, the courts for a while, things like that, and. Uh, really enjoyed that, but yeah, wanted to, you know, actually become an operator in the space and and really be, you know, not just writing about business, but actually participating in it. So spent a couple of years in consulting. I was at this firm uh, called Activate, um, which was 
um, you know, spun out of uh, basically some McKinsey consultants, um, you know, wanted to create uh, a, you know, a consultancy that was focused on uh, tech and media and operated kind of like a tech startup as well. So it was really interesting. We got to work on, uh, you know, these big projects with legacy media companies that were uh, that were becoming, you know, trying to modernize and, and build new digital businesses. Um, and so, you know, especially at a young age, that was, that was a really great, uh, experience. And so did that for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden, like, I, I wanted to come back to LA. Um, you know, the, the city, uh, seemed very different than the one that I had left. So it wasn't just this kind of Hollywood entertainment economy focused thing. It, you know, all of a sudden there, there were just a ton of really interesting tech startups, probably the, the most famous of them at the time. And, and, and in many ways still now was like Snapchat and Snap. Uh, but, you know, there's this whole, you know, burgeoning community and, and it just felt, you know, really fascinating in a way that, that, uh, that I wanted to participate in. It. So, uh, so I wanted to come back to LA, get out of New York. Um, I used business school actually as my way uh, to do that. Um, so I, uh, I got my MBA at, um, at USC University of Southern California here in LA, um, and was working, um, was working basically at Disney, uh, I was doing some like strategy work with them for like, you know, what's now Disney plus, um, and, um, you know, like working with their accelerator a little bit as well, um, and then uh, right as I was coming out of it, actually, I got linked up with who is now my uh, co-founder and the executive chairman uh, of .LA. Um, he's a guy named Spencer Raskoff, who was the co-founder and CEO of, um, actually, I, I, it seems like you have a very uh, international or, or non-American audience, so uh, it might not, might not be as resonant, but there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a company in, in uh, America and I think in some other countries called Zillow. Do you, do you know Zillow? Um, so it's, yeah, this amazing company, it allows you to find, you know, the value of any house. Uh, so huge company. Um, and yeah, he co-founded it and just stepped down as the CEO after a decade there. Um, and, um, and, uh, he was also an LA native we'd actually like, you know, gone to the same school 20 years apart from each other and had like a number of mutual friends. And so, um, we got linked up and he said, you know, I just moved back down to LA and I'm really floored by how much tech and startup activity there is here. Um, and I think that in many ways, you know, what I'm seeing here is similar to what I was seeing in, you know, Seattle 10 years before. And Seattle's obviously like the home of Microsoft and Amazon and, uh, Zillow and, you know, a bunch of other really great companies. Mm. Uh, and 20 years before in uh, like San Francisco and, and Silicon Valley. And uh, so I think that, you know, LA is really poised to be kind of the next great hub of innovation. Um, but one of the things that it's missing is um, a, a news outlet and a media, uh, you know, media outlet that is going to shine a light on all this amazing stuff that, that um, is happening here. And so it's not... It, it, you know, it's it, things like that, you know, non Silicon Valley startup hubs are uh, a total white space in in media right now, because, you know, for the most part you have so you have national tech presses like, you know, the tech crunches of the world, and they typically 
you know, over index on writing about the, you know, Silicon Valley, but um, also, um, you know, don't have a sense of kind of how clusters and communities work, right? And so, and similarly, the local media, as we were talking about earlier, had uh, totally collapsed, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, the LA Times is actually doing better than it was, you know, uh, 10 years ago, but um, uh, but it it is, uh, you know, they're not equipped to cover tech and write and explain, you know, the, these kind of talk to the right kind of audiences. And so they, um, uh, so the, there's this, so there's this white space. And so we, um, so we, we talked and, you know, pretty quickly decided to, you know, start a company that would serve that role and shine a light on, on the LA tech and startup ecosystem. So it's a startup covering startups, right? So um, he's, he's our executive chairman. I'm the CEO. Um, this was in like May, 2019. And then we spent the rest of the year uh, kind of hammering out what the product was going to be, what the, um, you know, what the voice was going to be, what the team was going to be. Um, we raised $4 million uh, seed round from a bunch of like local VCs and angels. Um, and then we launched in, uh, and then we launched in January of 2020, um, which is a very interesting time to, to launch anything. And so Absolutely. six weeks later, the world's ended. But, you know, and I think on the news side, it's like good that you have a, you know, totally digital product that is uh-huh. very remote work friendly. Um, we had to, you know, our grand plans to do a bunch of events had to go into like virtual events. And, you know, we've only recently restarted in person stuff. Um but yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been a really great, uh, really exciting couple of years, um, and um, yeah, we're just getting started. Any pitfalls? Any tipping points? Uh, what was your transformation through through? I mean, you you were working yeah. with uh, a lot of uh, big companies. You were on Harvard, on Cambridge. Yeah, no, like? that. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great question. Um, I think that you know the I think the biggest thing that was a bit of a learning curve of being an entrepreneur is is kind of the um, the, uh, the sort of loneliness of it at times. You know, because you know I'm fortunate to, to work with a, a really great team. Uh, and, and, you know, my co-founder is, is an amazing mentor and, you know, a, a great partner, but, you know, it, it, it is like create something, uh, new and bring something new into the world and to be, you know, like so confident about, um, you know, the, what it should be, what it should look like, how it should be positioned and, and all of those things. Um, you know, especially like once you have decided to be a founder and you know really be like okay we have to go from zero to one and how do we do that mm-hmm. um it's a really unique experience and, and 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 in some ways a really lonely one because you know like ultimately it's you and like by definition there's no one else doing what you're doing exactly what you're doing because otherwise <laughs> you shouldn't be doing sure. it probably but um uh so yeah no i think that 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 has been um you know that 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 was a bit of a learning curve. 
uh, I think that that uh, it's been very curious to, um, you know, have to do this in large part um, in this remote environment, right? Mm-hmm. Where luckily now, you know, the past couple of months, the vaccinations have been ramping up and, you know, and so we actually do have an office again and, and our people are going into it every couple of days, uh, you know, a couple of days a week. Um, but yeah, like the, the idea of, you know, for essentially the first year of us being launched, you know, not really seeing people other than like a very select group, you know, your girlfriend, you know, like very, very small group of people. Um, I think that that kind of like compounded that, that effect. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that that has been, um, uh, that's been a, that's been a really, uh, uh, interesting journey and, um, uh, you know, one that I think is, is worth talking about, uh, uh you know, as founders a little bit more. If I understood you well, LA is a uh, next big thing in the tech industry. I mean, why LA? Different Texas or I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, so I mean, I think that the 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 macro trend is a, a decentralization of tech and startups away from Silicon Valley, right? I think that um, y- you know, even even five or so years ago, but certainly like you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, there was this perception that, you know, by definition of it, you know, because of it being a perception becomes a reality, uh, that, that, you know, if you are going to launch a successful tech startup, you need to be, you know, within 25 miles of SFO airport, right? Um, and so, you know, that, that's where all of the investment money was focused. That's where people would relocate to. And I think that that, um, you know, that had a lot of kind of like negative knock-on effects, um, uh, that we can go into, but I think that there has been over the past couple of years, this decentralization and this recognition that like, okay, you know, actually, there are even advantages of like, uh, and, and really serious advantages, um, which seems obvious to say now, but wasn't necessarily at the time, uh, of launching, uh, you know, uh, of creating and building companies elsewhere, right? And so you have this, this rise of these, these kind of next, next wave of startup hubs that, you know, you, you mentioned Texas, like Austin very much is one of them, right? Um, I, I, you know, even within the past couple of months, the, you know, Miami has kind of come into being seen as like more of a place like this. And mm-hmm. similarly, like, you know, Denver, and Atlanta, and, you know, all this place. And that's just in America, right? And then like in, in Europe, um, you know, there has been, uh, there's been a you know a rise of um, you know tech and and tech companies and tech hubs um, it, throughout Europe in a way that that um, the, there hasn't been and that you know not even to speak of you know Africa which is really rapidly uh, uh, you know becoming um, uh, you know producing some really interesting companies Asia obviously you know so it's so it's really globalized so it's not just in America but like obviously you know I'm American so I focus on that um, but this rise of these uh, new wave uh, of, of, of cities and so I think that that's the opportunity you know we've talked about you know building the model in Los Angeles because uh-huh. well 
uh, and, and then, you know, replicating it in all of these other, you know, emerging hubs, right, uh-huh. that have these same characteristics. But uh-huh. you asked why specifically LA, right? Um, I think that LA is, is this really, you know, it, it lies at this really fascinating intersection between, um, you know, technology, media, entertainment, uh-huh. storytelling right and you know that's that that is this um uh you know i'm sure that uh especially for you know not non-american uh listeners you know you think of la you think of like hollywood and disneyland you know things like that and you know in many, in, in many ways uh, you know that is the case and then the interesting thing is disney's a tech company now right like disney plus is a tech technology product right they they are you know, and similarly, Netflix is an entertainment company, right? Mm-hmm. And so there is this, there is this like massive convergence between platforms, right, uh-huh. which are software, right, and involve engineering and you know the and and very kind of like a traditional conception of tech, right, as well as um, content, right. Uh-huh. You can't have you can't have a platform without good content, can't have good content without a platform to distribute it. So there is this fundamental convergence uh-huh. between entertainment and technology, right? That is exactly at the heart of um, kind of what Los Angeles's skill set is, right? And, you know, so obviously it's been the hub of storytelling and you know narrative building and celebrity making and all those things for you know 100 years um but there's also the you know there there is the uh tech talent right like so um los angeles's universities produce more engineers than any other place in the country um i mean and and i'm sure internationally i don't have those statistics right on hand but um, but they, uh, you know, between, and it's not just, you know, USC or UCLA, there's, you know, also a bunch of other, you know, uh, Cal State Northridge and the Pomona College and blah, blah, blah. But in any case, they produce more engineers than anywhere else in the country. Um, but historically they haven't kept them, right? Because then mm. you go up to, you know, you go up to Silicon Valley to, you know, work at a tech company, right? So now uh you know and and so so for any of these companies that are that that are focused on entertainment or media or marketing building a relationship with you know consumers and and you know anything media related i mean la is i think objectively the best place in the world to tap into those networks and those expertises and those institutions and then the the curious thing is it's you know, it's such a diverse ecosystem here in a way that I don't think people realize. And that's a big part of what the mission is with .LA to help people realize that. I mean, even within the city, they don't really realize that, but certainly not, you know, across the country or around the world. Um, you know, like, um, you know, uh, the aviation, you know, if you look at, um, you know, SpaceX, and you know relativity and there are all these like you know uh and and um uh you know the jet propulsion laboratory here and you know so there there's a huge like space 
industry that's based here that that I think flies really under the radar. Similarly, there's like a ton of biotech, and then there's a ton of you know. It, so it's just this. It's 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 this really unique, really diverse, really exciting uh, ecosystem that just totally flies under the radar. And so what we're trying to do is, you know, uh, is, is demonstrate that to people by writing stories about all these great stuff and, and, um, you know, creating videos and podcasts and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, uh, you're absolutely right. I remember you started with biotech back in the late 90s. Actually. Yeah, yeah, and and there are a lot of lot of people that do not understand the the power of your biotech, and and you're absolutely right, the space industry, etc. And what about? Totally. I'm just curious. What about real estate? I mean, the prices, the house price uh, in uh, San Francisco is uh, for making a suicide. What, yeah, yeah. Is it well, is it similar uh, in LA or? You know, it's better than San Francisco. Because, you, you know, people that. from from Texas, they are all telling me, well, you know, you need to come to Texas because you can you can buy a house for uh, peanuts, etc. Yeah, you know, I mean, I wish <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I wish the, the, the property value as as someone who, uh, you know, is not a uh, homeowner uh, yet um, and would love to be in Los Angeles. But, uh, you know, is it is it is expensive. It's look, it's more affordable. Uh, than San Francisco, and that's certainly and Silicon Valley, Even, probably. Yeah, yeah, in Silicon Valley. I, yeah, I mean, my sister lives up in uh, in in Menlo Park, which is uh, right next to Stanford, and yeah, it's like that's uh, it's it's you know, it, like that's the number one worst real estate market in the country. But I think LA is probably the number like three or something like that. So I wish it was a little better. It is meaningfully better, but than than the Bay Area and and also New York. Um, but you know, I wish I wish it was better. Um, it, I could get I could get going on uh, uh, you know what I think the government should be doing to make that better. Uh, but <laughs> that might be another podcast. But uh, yeah, yeah, so absolutely. I think that you know, um, it, you know, it's definitely not. I think that there there was this perception at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, you know, or you know, throughout the pandemic that. Oh wow! So we're all just living in Zoom, right? I mean, you and I are several thousand miles away from each other right now, but mm. you know, it, functionally, it would be the same as if we were, you know, a few blocks from each other, right? You're mm. Still looking Absolutely. at the Zoom, still looking at the Zoom screen and you know talking into it. So, so I think there's this big perception of like, oh wow, you know, all these like Facebook engineers uh, who are making a bunch of money but living in San Francisco. Oh wow, now they're going to go move to like. Boise, Idaho, or something like that, or Texas, right? You know, mm-hmm. it, you know, outside of Dallas, Fort Worth, or something, where you know you can get for the same price as a studio in San Francisco, you can get you know land and a mansion, right? So, <laughs> yeah. and a so, few cows, so, and a few cows, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, as long as you have uh, a fiber internet connection, just go do that. Now, you know, certainly that happened to. It, it, you know, the, the, there were incidents of that and, you know, we, we, we covered that and wrote about that kind of stuff, but like, you know, functionally, like, I, I don't think that, I think that, that uh, while 
you know, tech is disseminating to, you know, being multipolar as opposed to unipolar, right? With the, the Silicon Valley. I don't think that you're going to see, you know, the next great companies come out of like, you know, I, I don't, you know, out of, out of like some rural location, right? Like, I still think that there is a value to, you know, being at a, being in like a world capital, like Los Angeles mm-hmm. or something like that, but because just there is, uh, you know, there, there is value to that, that justifies, you know, high, higher, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the higher housing prices, although uh, that is that is lamentable, I think. Do you think there is any space left for startups from the basement or garage, by the way? Yeah, I mean, that's that that, that culture is still, you know, I mean, very, garages very, are very expensive at the moment. I'm just kidding. I think that's the, yeah, no, I, I, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if like now it's more expensive to rent like a garage in, you know, <laughs> Menlo Park or something yeah. as office space than it is to rent like a really nice office because, you know, that, that there's there is that there is so much of that like uh you know kind of like mythology or like romanticism about that of yeah, like sure. the, some new startups know. just from those yeah oh man <laughs> if you're a yeah if it, you know if you're two 20 year old stanford dropouts working on some software you know project and you can you know interchangeably throw in some 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 combination of like the words crypto ai <laughs> right like so, some of these buzzwords and you're in a garage like you are going to have uh, you are going to have a lot of venture capitalists kind of Makes breaking sense. down that door trying to give you a term sheet <laughs> regarding the ethics we spoke uh, yeah. b- before we started with the interview we spoke about the ethics any shifts for the uh, past few years? You know, a, a really interesting thing about our specific project is um, is is kind of the, the journalistic um, ethics and, and the, the codes around that and the perceptions of it. And so what I mean by that is, um, you know, we are, uh, you know, we are a media startup that has kind of deep relationships with the investor community here. Um, you know, our uh, my co-founder and executive chairman uh, is you know is is probably the most prolific angel investor in Los Angeles, and so like naturally, probably like one out of you know one out of every couple of companies that we write about, you know, there is some kind of maybe second degree, uh, uh, you know, relationship with, with those companies. And so from the very beginning, uh, right when uh, Spencer and I started talking about, uh, about starting this, you know, I, I, we, we talked a lot about what the lines were going to be and what the structures were going to be about how to make sure that, you know, the journalism was independent and unbiased. I mean, you know, he, you know, and I are like, are pretty 
un, un, unashamed, you know, cheerleaders in, in many ways. I mean, uh, but the, but that's not what journalism should be. Right. And so, you know, journalism should be about finding the truth and shining a light on the truth and, um, you know, following the truth wherever it goes. Right. And so, um, you know, I'm reminded of uh, when when I first started at Bloomberg News, they make everyone read uh, 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 Michael Bloomberg's uh, or uh, Michael Bloomberg's autobiography, and also there's a book called Bloomberg Way, where where the editor in chief Matt Winkler talks about a similar conversation that he had had with Michael Bloomberg um, when Winkler was uh, a Bonds reporter at the, the Wall uh-huh. Street Journal. Uh, and Michael Bloomberg was trying to recruit him to start this news organization based on the Bloomberg terminal, which, you know, for those who don't know, it's like you pay, you know, anyone related to finance, you know, you pay $20,000 a year for this, you know, terminal that gives, you know, that has a ton of financial data. So as they were talking about this, um, the, the anecdote as, as, uh, as it was relayed was uh, Winkler before he agreed to join uh, gave Michael Bloomberg uh, a hypothetical scenario in which they had uncovered some, you know, true and newsworthy, um, but, but negative um, and unflattering story about the CEO of, a bank that was one of the biggest purchasers of Bloomberg terminals, right? And um, and then the you know the CEO of this company hears about this story that's about to be published and calls Michael Bloomberg and says, you know, if this story runs, like I'm canceling all of these subscriptions, right? Um, and we're 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 no longer going to be a client of Bloomberg. And so he says, Michael, like what you know, what would you do in that situation? Right. And, you know, Bloomberg thinks about it, you know, for a second and then says, okay, so, I mean, if it's, if it's true and fair, um, then do it and I'll, I'll deal with whatever business consequences arise therein. So, um, and, and, you know, I found that, I found that passage to be fairly instructive when, Spencer and I were were first talking about this sort of stuff. Um, when Spencer and I were first talking about this sort of stuff uh, in the very early days, uh, when we were sketching out, you know, what this would look like and how this would work and all mm-hmm. that. And, um, and you know, and so so basically, I you know framed him some version of that question. I was like, so what? So what do you think? You know, we you know, how do you think we would play? It? You know, he said the same thing. And, and so um, and so we, you know, we both very fundamentally believe in um, the necessity and the power of independent journalism. Right. Um, and, you know, I don't think that, you know, what w- what we're not is combative for the sake of being combative. Um, because you know, I think that there are a lot of media outlets that um, you know just are a- antagonized kind mm-hmm. of for the sake of it, 
mm. which I don't think is which I which which I don't think is particularly useful or appeals to particularly good parts of um, the social psyche. Mm. But similarly, uh, what we don't do is you know just kind of only write stories that the people who are being covered want to see because that that's not journalism that's PR and so at that point you might as well just you know mm. have a press release you know uh, uh, uh you know website right because that doesn't do any that doesn't do anyone any good it's you know not respected it's not interesting it's like you know so so um when we were raising our seed round you know we communicated very clearly to all of our investors um actually made them sign a, a pledge to you know to to this effect saying like you know your relationship with uh, uh, you know, your financial relationship with us does not entitle you to any, uh, you, you know, uh, like any special treatment in terms of coverage, either positive, you know, uh, positive or negative or for you or your portfolio companies or anything like that. And to their credit, all of our investors did, you know, totally understood, um, you know, why that was so important. And, you know, we've never, yeah. So, so fortunately uh, I've never gotten that kind of a call of like, Hey, you know, if, if this happens, you know, we're going to do X, Y, X, Y, Z. But what we have, uh, you know, what we have gotten uh, on multiple occasions is a lot of, uh, you know, the angry outreaches from, you know, fairly powerful people that didn't like something that we wrote about it. And, but, you know, look, I consider that to be, I consider that to be part of my job, right. Of, you know, say, okay, so, you know, was, was the story accurate? Yeah. Was it like, you know, you might not consider it to be fair, but like, was it, you know, sort of objectively fair? Yeah. Okay. Well then we will completely defend, you know, our journalists. Right. And so, um, so that has, you know, that, that has actually come up less in the year and a half that we've been launched compared to what I thought might be the case. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's just very, very important because I think that there's industry-wide, there's a reevaluation of like, mm-hmm. of, of kind of what these ethical standards are, kind of what is, what is sort of an outmoded relic of a previous age um, in media, because I think that, you know, there, there are uh-huh. you, certainly like, you know, journalism schools and, you know, a lot of like more old school newsrooms will have a lot of like, you know, the the business teams and the editorial teams, like they don't talk to each other. They're not even on the same floor. Like there's a complete separation. From that. You know, I, I think that, you know, I think that that's kind of silly and not reflective of like a modern you know, 2020 media organization. That's not to say that, like, you know, there's. That's not to say that that you know, business considerations, um, uh, you know, it can influence editorial coverage at all. That said, actually, like this week, um, we were negotiating with a, a certain company uh, about them um, sponsoring a, a, a video series, <laughs> and then uh, I saw, I noticed that. Uh, that we had just published a story about uh, the CEO had said some 
very inadvisable uh, comments that that our journalists had picked up and written about. I was like, oh shoot, <laughs> that might that might affect that might affect this degree. Um, but you know, that's that is what it is, right? Like it's it's because if you know if you if you if you go you know if you go too far on compromising on that then you've lost, you know, you've lost the thread, right? And so there's really no point in what you're doing, right? That you're, what are you doing at that point? And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really interesting navigating that. Um, I've been, uh, I've been pleasantly, uh, not surprised, it, 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 you know, I've been pleasantly reinforced that, you know, the way that we had originally kind of scoped this out was, I think, the, the right approach for it. We haven't had any, um, you know, anything that I would consider to be a misstep, um, uh, you know, ethically on that. But it is, you know, it's just a really fascinating, it's a really fascinating time because, you know, so much is changing uh, in the media and in journalism and, you know, who is a journalist and all that. And, you know, and so it's just such a fascinating time. And so to be able to play like some small part in like thinking through kind of what the new model should be, um, you know, is, is, is something that I find to be really exciting. Do you have uh, support for that kind of thinking, uh, for that kind of approach? What, what, yeah. what, what was the attitude of, of, of uh, re media representatives, other media representatives, when you speak with them or their reactions? Or yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, um, I, I, I try to talk to uh, as many, you know, peers as possible, um, uh, you know, whether it's like uh, in a startup uh, media uh, company or more established one. And I think that there's a lot of um, kind of information and, and perspective sharing because it is, you know, the, these are, you know, ra radically changing times in the industry. Um, and so I think it's, it's always good to be uh, kind of sharing notes and sharing thoughts with, uh, um, you know, with with folks confronting similar issues at uh, uh, at, at peer organizations. Um, you know, it's something that that my co-founder and I talk about a fair amount. It's something that you know we talk about with the newsroom and you know with our managing editor and you know really trying to um, you know I I, I do not. Uh, I do not pretend for a moment that, you know, uh, uh, I, you know, that I'm infallible on this kind of stuff, uh, or that, you know, it's the, the um, uh, I, my instinct is always to, uh, bring as many, um, smart people with different perspectives into the conversation as possible. Um, because I think that, that always improves the outcome. How do you take uh, that kind of attacks uh, uh, when they happen? How do you keep your positive energy and, 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 and focus? Do yeah, you meditate? I mean, do you meditate? <laughs> do I meditate? Do I meditate? I do meditate, actually. Ah, um, you know, I, I'd like to do it more. I do it kind of like uh, sporadically, you know, sometimes I get into a habit of doing it, you know, like four or five times a week. You know, sometimes it goes a couple of weeks. So I, I need to kind of uh, hone that practice a little bit more. 
Um, I run a lot. Uh, I, it, you know, I, I think that that's, that's, that's also kind of a meditative uh, act for me as well. Um, and, you know, it's, I mean, it, it, in What's some ways, it seems like yeah, it's, yeah, your, your, yeah, your question was, was, yeah, about like mindset and, you know, staying positive and, and, you know, eye on the prize and all of that. And, you know, look, I'd be lying if I said that that, you know, hasn't been a challenge, hasn't been a challenge at various times. And, uh, you know, this has been, uh, I think for everyone, a, a pretty challenging year and a half. And so, you know, there are certainly times when, uh, you know, the, there are certainly times, there are certainly times when, um, uh, you know, you, you, you can kind of uh, lose the plot on that a little bit. And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, try to try to just get outside and exercise. And, you know, that's the, uh, <laughs> that's actually the one benefit of LA that I haven't really, uh, you know, the, the obvious part that hasn't come up of it. Uh, it's, it's a nice place to be outside. So, you know, you should try to uh, take advantage of that as much as possible. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, you know, just just trying to stay centered. Um, you know, keep things in perspective. I think is you know always uh, uh, an overarching goal. Um, and you know, be uh, you know just try to be kind to yourself. You know, ultimately is the uh, kind of goal there, and and to others. <laughs> love to uh, encourage the audience uh, to subscribe to dot LA it's, you know that that's the uh, that's the URL so DOT period LA um, you know I think it's a, it, you know it, even if you don't have a, a, a specific interest in uh, in Los Angeles second startups I think we're doing some pretty interesting stuff. Uh, and I think that the, you know, your audience would probably enjoy that. So um, encourage encourage them to sign up for like the newsletter, um, you know, maybe if, if uh, you're ever out here, um, you know, try to come to one of our events or, or and things like that. Um, but yeah, just, um, you know, thank you so much for having me. And uh, it's just a really fun, uh, really fun conversation. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.